Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of the Attack in the Championship podcast. I am your host, Tom Butterfield, and we'll introduce ourselves into and say hello to David first today, I think, uh, before we ask him too many questions. Today, David, I, I wanted to, to speak to you more from the recruitment side of things, you know, working uh, as an intermediary for, for intermediary for many years, easy for me to say, uh, but I know of late that you've been doing some work with clubs on the recruitment process as a whole. So how, how do you, how do you see that working now? How do you tend to put that together or see that being put together? Well, hi, Tom, again. Hey, David. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do have a, a, a very firm philosophy on recruitment and, um, I've, I've worked on this process for a long, long time. In fact, it's probably I'm more interested in this really than anything else. Um, but yeah, and I've, it's been very good and interesting working with clubs. I see recruitment really as a tripartite challenge. Is the way I would explain it. The first part is to is talent identification. The second part is player evaluation. And the mm -hmm. third part is target acquisition. And unless you've got all three of these elements working well, you're vulnerable. And really, you won't do well in recruitment. So you do need to address all three areas. The first one, the talent identification, it has moved on. So, I mean, I first got in, interested in this 15 years ago, but mm -hmm. it's moved on so far since obviously those days even in the last sort of five years or so but it's tailor-made really for um in developments in technology to take advantage of it and obviously one of those is the data the sheer amount of data you can get so the first thing you need to do is to address what is both an opportunity but also a massive challenge in in identifying data when you've when you've done that you then move to the second um, element, which is player evaluation. And that's really a hybrid of what used to be sort of conventional scouting, but also now more and more technical scouting, often done by video and so on. But it's a, it's a hybrid of those two things. Um, and then finally, the, the target acquisition, once you have a shortlist or even a target, it's just one target, um, you need to be able to acquire that player as a football mm. club. So you can do great work in identifying talent. You can do fantastic work in, 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 in an orderly way, evaluating that talent. But if you can't acquire it because you're not really set up to do that, or you don't have the right skills or the right people in that, in that particular area, then really it's all, it all just goes to waste. So you need to cover those three things. Um, and you need to put it all into a system. It, the whole thing needs to be a process because it it kind of one one part of it bleeds into another mm. and then into another. So you have to have a coherent, what I would call a coherent system, which uses the same philosophy and the same um, particular approach all the way through. So for example, um, one thing that I've always believed in is that 
you know, there's two ways of looking at, at this, really. You can either be a foot, the type of club that says, well, we see footballers as an investment. We see the club as a business. Footballers are an investment. We buy the footballer that we think gives us the best opportunity to return a profit. And then we give that group of footballers to our head coach and we say, right, you coach them and you do the best you can with them. Or you have a different approach where you say, we we believe that if you're going to employ a manager, if you want to call it a manager or a head coach, you need to let them manage and you need to give them what they need to do the job as well as can be done. So you really believe in this person that you're hiring and that's why you're hiring them. And you're mm-hmm. saying, we believe you're the right person and you are able to devise a system of play that for us, given our resources, given the environment within which we're working, our competition gives us the best chance of success. And then that manager or that head coach is is influential, very much influential in deciding who the, the club signs. Now, I'm not sure that anybody can really say what the best or that that's right, that's wrong. It really just depends on the club, how they see themselves. And, and of course, it can be it can be a combination of the two but if you it seems logical to me that if the person whose head is really on the block for the results has got to have a heavy influence on the players that are being chosen Hmm. and that's the manager obviously or the head coach so you start in my view with the head coach and you talk to them about the style of play that they're intending to employ this then informs the roles on the pitch that that, that coach needs. Because if he's going to play, you know, three at the back and wing backs or, uh, you know, a four, three, three, or whatever the system he's going to employ, he's going to require slightly different roles of, play, of players on the pitch. And these roles will then subsequently inform the attributes that those players need. So... It may be that you need, if you're going to play with four at the back and if you like kind of old school fullbacks, you might be saying, well, they need to have certain abilities, aerial abilities, physical abilities, because they're going to be primarily defenders and I want them to be able to defend this way. This means this is the kind of player I want. These are the things he's got to be strong at or strongest at. Whereas you might be looking at a different style and you might say, no, these these are the roles I'm going to employ. These are the... I want players to contribute heavily to attack. Therefore, their distribution's got to be good. Their, their delivery's got to be good. Their reading of certain situations has got to be good. Or, who knows? But that's the manager's kind of domain. Yeah. He knows what he wants. So he will then say, position by position or role by role, this is what we need. This is what we have at the moment. Some of them, presumably, hopefully, will be everything he needs in that particular role and some of them won't be and as far as recruitment's concerned what you're then faced with is you're saying look what we need to do is over a period of time we need to build a system a situation where we have an op- we have options for every single role so because we know we can't just say look all right, you tell us the sort of player, we'll go and find that player because chances are he's not coming. 
mm-hmm. or somebody else signs him or he goes off form or he gets injured or whatever. So you need to get to the point where you have what I call a, the player matrix, which is it's designed in the image of the head coach's des- intended style of play. And it and each position has a kind of, you could imagine it like a sort of drop-down list mm-hmm. of targets. So, but for each position, you know what attributes you're looking for. You know what strengths you're looking for. Then that's all very well. But when you then go to the talent identification database and you're faced with these hundreds of thousands of players, how are you going to find those players? So what you need is a tool which allows you to input those particular requirements and search those data, that database for that type of player with those strengths to give you, and I think we've talked about this before, to give you this kind of long short list mm-hmm. of a sample where you can say, right, well, this has really come from the the, con- the, the considered desire of the coach, how he wants to play, what he needs in this particular position. And the and all the players performances are ranked according to those requirements. So what what I've developed some time ago was a was a tool that basically has these what key performance indicators which are it's different to just looking at metrics and saying, well, mm-hmm. you know, how many um short lateral passes per 90 does he make how many you know uh passes to the penalty area per 90 how many does it it's 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 actually because people don't really at football at, at, at training grounds people don't talk about that stuff no you know they talk about how mobile is he can he mm-hmm. has he got quality delivery is he what what's his aerial strength like you know What's his recovery like? What is the? These are the things that the that coaches care about, and that's the, these are the terminologies that they use. Yeah. But so what you need is you need to, you need you. That's what you, these are the, the the disciplines that you need. So what I've done is created this tool, which said I say, well, look, you you tell me what you're looking for, and I'll I'll present you back with lists of players that are performing well that are appropriate because we've looked at also search criteria that, you know, are not saying, look, we can sign this player. It'll cost you 50 million and you've got 4 million, you know, so it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's relevant, but these are, this is the starting point for what you say you want. Then it has to feed into this. I think I've talked about before this sort of hybrid of technical and, conventional scouting which is step two which is the evaluation process of the players and but you don't just say okay there's your list off you go tell us if they're any good or not you keep that discipline you keep that approach you say it's not a question of are they any good what it is is a question of i want you to rank these in a quantitative way in these disciplines particularly because this is where we started from yeah so when you go and watch this player, you don't come back and say, yeah, he, he was good at this or he was crap at that or, he, yeah, he was brilliant signing or he was rubbish. Mm-hmm. You say, okay, you gave me a brief to assess this player in these particular areas and here is my quantitative assessment. 
Because when you use numbers, you can make comparisons. When you use subjective comments, you can't. Yeah. So it comes back. So your 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 technical scouting, your first sort of proper scouting of these players is following in the footsteps of the way this list was built in the first place. And then gradually it moves through the, the process to more conventional scouting. Guess what? The scout gets the same brief. Mm-hmm. You want the scouting reports to reflect what you're looking for and his opinion of what you're looking for. And these this this group needs to be coherent. It, it needs we need to know what we mean when we say, you know, this type of role and that type of role. And if you're scoring them on this this uh scale, what do these scores mean? We need to know all of those things. Mm. But they're relatively straightforward, easy enough to if the system's been organized properly. So what happens through the process is you're gradually taking them through from one step to the next, to the next, to the next, and they're being either rejected and there'll be explanations to why, as to why they were rejected and, and who rejected them or who mm-hmm. recommended them to move to the next. And it depends on the size of the club because some clubs have got, you know, the the, the, the structure to be able to implement things in a much more sort of um, – what, what would you call it? Sort of, and it, with lower granularity than others. Where you, mm. other clubs, you may have to say, "No, this person does these three things." Yeah. Rather than you know, these three people do that one thing. Yeah. So yeah. it depends on the scale, but basically the the philosophy is the same, and it works through the system. And ultimately, if you've if you've got scouts and a, and a chief scout and a head of recruitment and a and a technical director and whatever it is. It, it works with that scale and each one gets signed off and so it goes through. But it's the essential thing is that it's it, nothing is a surprise when it comes back to the person who makes the decision. And I think often it's got to be the head coach has got to have a, a, an influence, a serious influence on that decision. Um, then he's not surprised at what he's being presented with. And it's what, what we've talked about before as well, where, you know these systems don't start out being brilliant systems, mm-hmm. but, but because they're a system, they can become brilliant systems because they're easier to work on. Yeah. Um, and then finally, that so that's the kind of in a nutshell that's the second um, element of the of the tripartite challenge. And the third one is the is the acquisition. And I've worked a lot on producing some. Um, way of valuing players mm-hmm. with regard to wages and asset values, because I never really believed that you know the claim that well you know footballs you can't value it they don't work in a, the same way as a, another commodity. They're not commodities; they're human beings, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's got to be a mechanism for valuing them for your yeah. football club. Your football club has its own requirements mm. and it has its own um, beliefs about what is important to the club and what is valuable to the club. And I think, again, we touched on this earlier, that some clubs are looking for young players that will become assets to the football club. Other club, other clubs are looking for, we need to su- succeed on the pitch 
next week and the week after and you know we're buying players who we know have already done it and we're not looking to buy them cheap we're not looking to buy them young and develop we're looking to buy them so they can perform and and a whole mix in between but there is a way to value a footballer um and but it, there's a lot of inputs on it there's a lot of variables that go into it and those variables need to be weighted but they're weighted according to your particular preference as a football club, and your particular preference won't be the same as anybody else's. Yeah. So there isn't one value to a footballer. There's as many different values as there are yeah. different people making the decision. Yeah, absolutely. Because he's worth a different amount to you, depending mm. on what you consider to be more or less important to you as a football club. Mm. So, again, I designed and produced a tool that basically does this, but it's soft so you can change it to reflect what you want it's not sort of well it's all hardwired in there so that's it that's how it works that's how it works it's mm. you tell us what's important and we'll tell you objectively what you what this player should be worth to you because we benchmark your own squad and you know a lot about your own squad so you kind of reverse engineer it by saying well we know about our 25 players. We know what we think they should be earning, even though they might not be. Mm. And we know what we think they should be in the marketplace if we were to sell them. Yeah. And therefore, we can use a lot of that knowledge to inform the algorithm so that when we subject new players to that algorithm, it's going to deliver back something that you will consider to be sensible. Mm. Um, so anyway, that's... Uh, kind of my philosophy of it i've i remember when we first uh, i remember the first question i asked you david actually we were we were over at a friend's wedding weren't we a mutual friend's wedding um and we we sort of met and said hello before but I, I said um i said david what's your thoughts on how statistics and data is used in football and i remember you saying to me now, Tom, I'm going to give you one chance to take that question back because if you don't, we're going to go down a rabbit hole that you might never come up from. <laughs> and fortunately, that. <laughs> no, no, fortunately, you gave me fair warning. <laughs> but I said no, I'm I'm interested, and and that sort of led on. You know, we we walked and probably had a bit too much sun, especially with my uh, eggs shaped head and <laughs> no hair on there. I'm sure, I took a hat with me. Sure, I was sensible. But then you you showed me this this system that you'd put together, and for me, the, the thing that really blew my socks off was the fact that it was so malleable, that it was so able to be um, sort of changed, and the flexibility to to match different clubs with different styles, with different needs and and different capabilities i suppose you know so it could well be that a league two team could use this system but also a team you know up challenging for european places in in the premier league could use this as well and you wouldn't get the same players it's it's not like you know these are good players these are not good players it's not just as simple as if it was a league two team you'd say right these were the good players well let's scroll down scroll down, scroll down like 20,000 players until we get down there. It's no, the, the, the players that are most appropriate for you are at, at the top. Mm. And again, if it was for a team at the, near the top of the Premier League, 
the players would be different because your requirements are different and your needs are different. So the appropriateness of the players are, are totally different. And mm. I think that was the thing for me. And then, and then the ability to actually have have a yardstick where to value them as well, appropriate to the club. And because how much how much is a player worth to a club? It's it's like I don't know, you know, it, how good is a player? Mm. I don't know, you know, what you think is is good might be different to me, but to have that have that more objective starting point of saying, well, we think they're here in comparison to our current squad. That's how we that's that's our sort of and our, our norm, I suppose, is is our current squad. And we think this this player is valued at, at this compared to our current squad. Yeah, it it was just it was beautifully and elegantly simple in in my opinion. You know, just well, and that's, that's and that's and that's where it all sort of started for me of of it sort of opened up this this rabbit hole of of where where things could potentially be going, you know, marrying up that objective data with the subjective needs of a club and then bringing in and saying, well, this this isn't here to replace people at a football club. It's there to take away the overwhelm. It's there to simplify and give them a pathway to go down, which will no doubt change as we go because we know that processes and systems can always be updated and improved as as we move. So that's that's how I saw it. Um, it was, yeah, it was fascinating. And that's well, why we're doing glad, this podcast, glad, I think. Well, yeah, I'm glad you, I mean, I find it fascinating, but, you know, you, you can get a bit close to these things. But, mm. um, yeah, I, what you have to realise, I think, is, you know, people think about being systematic and using a, pro, a procedure, a process. But you do that anyway. It's just mm-hmm. you don't you don't always realize that you do it and you haven't identified it i spent a lot of my career trying to get computers to do what i wanted them to do and writing a bit of code and thinking that the computer was going to do what you wanted it to do you soon mm-hmm. find out that you don't really know what <laughs> you want to do right so you have to understand what you want to do first yeah before you can get a computer to do it uh-huh. and and it sounds kind of a bit, you know, try to say that. But the truth is, we don't, we're not very specific in a lot of ways in the way that we do things. And you, you know, you learn that, well, if you're not very specific with a computer, you're not, <laughs> it's not going to be able to do what you want it to do. You have to uh-huh. be. And, and really, that you say about simplifying things, there is a way. People come to decisions about finance, finances and, and valuing footballers so that they do run systems in their brain. Mm. You know, it's not completely random. They don't just go, mm. well, we don't know if we're going to pay out 400,000 or 50 million for this player. They do know what roughly. Mm. So they do, they are using some kind of system. It's mm. just that they haven't specified it. Yeah. And if you haven't specified it to the point where we, you know, in my previous career, we used to be, have to say, look, if I I don't have a system unless I could go on holiday for a month and leave it with somebody and they could run it and they would do exactly the same things that I would do if I was here running it. Yeah. And if if I don't, if I can't say that, then it isn't a complete system. Mm. So that's kind of the background to it. But 
So when you think about valuing footballers, you think about what things do people take into consideration when they value them? When you break it down, it's actually, it is quite simple. There might be a lot of them. And and the, the, the thing that changes from one person to the next is not those things. It's just how much emphasis they put on each one. So they'll still consider the age of the player. They'll still consider the current performance levels of the player. They still might consider things like the experience level of the player, how high has he played. They might consider things like, you know, what position is he? They might, because all sorts of things. Um, and I think there's about 15 inputs that I came up with that anybody really would think of, but mm. they wouldn't necessarily do it that way. Yeah. But all you have to do is then say, well, look, what are, which things are more, more, more important to you or less important to you? And when you apply them all, you get the figure for the player. And this person... Arsene Wenger, I used to say this, will have a will put a high premium on a player who's under 24. Right. Whereas somebody maybe like Tony Poulis might say, Well, I want someone who's going to come in and I don't have to teach him mm-hmm. what you know, I want him to have played 250 games at this level already. Yeah. So he's not going to be 19 years old. No. Because because he won't have played enough football or whatever the numbers are, you know. Yeah. He's going to have a different requirement. So he might well, and he might say to me, no, you got that wrong. But he might well say, I put a high premium on experience and a lower premium on youth. Mm -hmm. And and they're just two elements, but they're all sorts of different ones. And a different club, different manager, different coach, different technical director will have a different view on you know, what's more important to them at their football club or even in this particular instance. So, Hmm. yeah, there are different values. People used to say, oh, you know, why is it that just because we're, you know, Newcastle and we've been taken over um, by some very rich people, that all of a sudden the players that we buy are going to cost us a lot more money? Well, when you think about it, it's obvious, it's logical, because what you're saying is we've got all this money, we can choose players who we believe can succeed at this high level so if we come to you and you're wrexham and we go we would like to take your 19 year old lad who's just played you know 20 games for you what you're really saying is we think he might be good enough to play in the champions league otherwise you wouldn't be coming there after it exactly so if that's the case damn right he's going to be expensive yeah and it's logic isn't it it's, mm-hmm. it's no it, it couldn't be more logical really yeah Anyway. No, absolutely. And you you briefly said about the differing managers having uh, and, and different technical directors. Do you think this is sometimes an issue when um, when managers are recruited? So, say for example, um, I, I suppose you know I, I follow Tottenham uh, and. They went from, or their last four managers have been uh, Mauricio Pochettino, Jose Mourinho, Antonio Conte, and now Ange Postacoglu. Quite different, you know. Not, not. Um, I would say two two managers who play quite counter-attacking, quite sort of uh, wait and see football, I suppose, in in Mourinho and, and Conte. Uh, different recruitment approaches, I'm sure, with those. 
and they're bookended by two two managers who play quite high tempo, fast attacking, pressing football uh, with a bit more freedom. I, I would I would say. So where where would you say a club, you know, should a club be uh, if you're a director of football, would you say a director of football would potentially be best to be saying right this is uh, this is our style of play you know this is our style of play um these are the type of players that we get but more importantly we want to be looking for a manager that shares our philosophy of what this club is all about where do you where do you stand with that i th- i think if if you put a high premium on continuity mm. um and because you then, mentioned, because you mentioned about you know your your system and saying you no, know, if you, if you're running a system well, you should be able you should be able to go away for a month and it run the same. And perhaps there are clubs. There's certainly one club that I can think of, but I won't name it just yet. Um, who seem to not have much of an issue when they move from one head coach to the next, to the next, to the next. They seem to have continued to just go up. They haven't had a, a similar sort of drop like like Tottenham did, for example, through their management changes. Um, well, the, yeah. when you when you churn managers, mm. and and the, I can think of other clubs in a very similar situation, and you don't appear to put a high premium on continuity. In other words, you're mm. you're going out and saying, I think Daniel Levy talked about this. What yesterday or the day before, really, about okay. being swayed by the fans, and you know, we tried this and it didn't okay. work, and so we wanted a trophy manager, so we went and got this manager, but it wasn't really Interesting. kind of our. It was really we were tempted to do something mm. that we didn't really feel that we should do, yeah. and we did that, and now we've changed. I think I if, you're gonna, if you're going to allow yourself to to work that way, then you're going to end up with an unbalanced squad, aren't you? Because you're going to say, well, look, there's four different styles of play here and four different philosophies of play or whatever you want to call it. So what's the chances that the players brought in by Pochettino will be the players that Mourinho wants? And what's the chances that the players that those two who will have brought players in will be the players that Conte wants and that and that Postacoglu wants from the previous three? Yeah, I would say very slim chance mm. because of what you've already said that they're playing in a different style of football. So unless mm. you're somebody is saying we've got an identity and and we want to follow this, and therefore when we employ a new head coach, we're looking for like we've talked about with players. We're not saying who's the best head coach. We're saying yeah. who is the best head coach for us. Yeah. Who is an appropriate, the best one we can get mm-hmm. at doing what we want to do? Because we believe in a certain way. So we don't want to have a squad of 30 players where, you know, three players are completely out of favour because they're never going to be any good to the manager. Mm-hmm. Five players are going to be, are very unlikely to be used. And other five players are going to be sort of on the fringe. We haven't really got 30 players. We've probably only got 15, if that. Mm. Yeah. Um, but, and and it, and it will always be like that, won't it? Because mm. the next manager they bring in, well, not at Spurs probably, but you know, the next one might be a firefighter manager yeah. at some clubs. Yeah. And they'll go, 
and oh, I don't want any of those players because I want this. And I think maybe, I mean, it's very easy for me to say this, but sometimes, you know, maybe a club's got to say, look, rather than burn all of our beliefs, we may have to go down hmm. because w- what it would mean to avoid going down is a whole load of uncertainty in the future if we don't manage it because yeah. we'll what we will have had to have done to try and I know that's a very easy thing to say. And when <laughs> someone's saying, well, hang on a minute, you really mean you want to give away the hundred odd million a year? I don't know all the answers. I mean, but mm. but I think what you're talking about is is a lack of continuity in a football club where it loses its way and it ends up with a squad of players that's really not much good to any manager. Mm. Um, because you've got you've had four different managers during the, the duration of some of the players' contracts or, yeah. or terms at the football club. Mm. That's how I would see that. Absolutely. And and I think, you know, you had uh, obviously uh, Neil Warnock coming at Huddersfield last year, didn't we? Who, you know, came in on a temporary basis, did his usual thing, you know, worked his usual magic and, and got players who maybe weren't in the team, first of all, you know, got players back, been loaned out to other clubs. But they were his... They were his type of players. They could play in his system, play his way, and and they stayed up. And um, yeah, I, I think that just it just shows, doesn't it, that a player is only as good as what he's asked to do by a manager. Mm. Uh, and if if you play to somebody's strengths, or you ask them to play to their strengths, then they're going to look good, aren't they? You know, mm. if you ask a a player who's very physical, uh, direct player to all of a sudden be like a false nine in a passing, flowing, attacking team that plays in in, in tight spaces, they're going to look like a fish out of water because you're just not asking them to do what they're good at. So, no, I, I think it just makes it makes so much sense. You know, it mm. makes so much sense to have that process and go through it in that systematic way. And because if you don't know how you play, then you should probably start there. You know, that's well, that's what you I want don't to... think it's a surprise that really that Brighton are where they are because I think they've taken a longer term view of things. That's the club and, that was on that I wasn't going to mention. And I thought we'd get around to mention them anyway. Yeah, and I think from what I hear, you know, is is that they were they were prepared mm. to, to to do what it took. And you know, if it took longer to get where they wanted to be, they'll be stronger when they get there. Yeah. And I think you know, I think that's true. And I think absolutely Brentford do a lot of things that Mm-hmm. make a lot of sense to me um and you're building a club rather than saying you know we're trying to get there this year we're trying to do this we're trying to avoid that uh we've got to change the manager and he's not done well you've got to sometimes i think say look what's our medium to long-term strategy yeah and you need an identity i know these these terms get thrown around and criticized by a lot of people but i think you do need to have that you need an identity you need something that you believe Definitely. in and something that you can build towards. You need um, to know. You need to know who you are, don't you? As yeah. a, as a club and as as a person, or, or whatever level it's on, you need to know what you stand for, what you stand against, uh, and then you'll make decisions based upon those things. And and if you get, if one year you get fifty one percent of your decisions right, then you're a bit further ahead than you were last year, and then you might have a good year of being sixty two percent. You know, get them right, and then you might be forty nine you know, percent right the next year, but you're still progressing year on year on average, aren't you? So yeah. it's it, it's just keeping true to it because things do 
things do fluctuate, don't they? I mean, especially yeah. in sport. I mean, football is a chaotic game and it's a chaotic sport. Things won't always go the way they should. Now, there's lots of games of football that will be, you might have 72% possession, you might have 32 shots on target and lose 1-0. You know, it's, yeah, it, it happens. And it, yeah, it doesn't mean if, if you have three games like that in a row, it, it doesn't mean that you're doing things wrong. Sometimes it just doesn't go doesn't go your way, and and it's it's important to have that, like you say, medium long term view, and not just look at things under a microscope all the time. Mm. Well, um, I think I, that's why we like looking at the numbers a bit. It's not just for the yeah. sake of the numbers. To be honest, numbers I couldn't care less about really. Mm-hmm. But it's the it's can you see some patterns? Can you see some trends? Yeah. Can you sort of try to understand what's going on beyond? The headlines, because yeah. yeah, you're right. Football is is a headline type of sport, and it? it's it's all about the goals, and doesn't matter. And yeah, of course, it is about the results. But I think you take your eye off the underlying sort of um, what's going on underneath, really, at your peril. You know, you can buy a bit of short term success, mm. but that's what it is, short term. Usually. Yeah, and and that's the result is. As the result said, the result is there because of what's happened before. You know, so the result is the result of something. You know, and yeah. it, it should it should be that you have something that you can sit down and almost sort of write on a write on the back of a napkin and say, well, this is this is what is going to get us the result. You know, obviously it won't be all all the detail, but the simple steps of saying this is what we are, this is yeah. what we're all about, and this is how we're going to get there. It should be able to be as simple as that. You should be able to explain it to, to anyone, really, mm. um, yeah. in, in simple terms. Um, otherwise, as you said about the code in this computer, maybe you don't understand it as well as you should yourself. Yeah. Um, you need to go back and, and simplify yeah. it a little bit further. Yeah, I think that's right. No, good stuff. Well, that was that was really interesting, David, to get your your take on that. Um my sermon. I, yeah, that, that's it. No, it's 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 great. It was it's really interesting, and it's. I think it just helps to give that another layer of understanding when we talk about the recruitment side of things. This is the level of detail that goes into it, and this is these are the steps that we feel you know could you know you could go through in order mm. to uh, in order to get there. So, yeah, thanks a lot for that. Yeah. Uh, I think we'll finish up. We'll finish up there. Thank you for listening, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast, of course. Make sure you share it with your nearest and dearest and anyone you feel may find value in the uh, in the information. And uh, we'll catch up with you in the next episode. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.